You are now listening to I think that's my attempt to do the masterpiece theater music, but that's not the masterpiece theater music. Uh, the masterpiece no. theater music is whatever that is the the yeah. Bach or handle probably that's handle handle yeah well folks we're going to give you a handle today on the things that are on our bookshelves because you've joined us for the second in a row of one of the most beloved things that we do on this show it's called sanity shelves and i think last week it was called sanity shelf But now it's called Sanity Shelves, because we've all got shelves, and they're not just full of dust and precious moments figurines. They're full of liquid terrines. No, they're not. They're full of books. And those... <laughs> he, he needed to rhyme that one, so what yeah. he came up with was terrines. Terrines. <laughs> Everyone likes to talk about terrines in Evansville. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. What other places are like, but terrines are a big deal here. Oh no, yeah. You when you walk up to somebody, you say, "How is your terrine?" That's actually just part of our culture and they say my tureen as well <laughs> go in peace thank you for asking yeah. <laughs> go, in, go in peace yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how is your tureen my tureen as well go in peace you see that constantly in evansville it's just it's it's part of our culture we are a bedouin nomadic uh tribe tribe type people evansville is just a desert of awesomeness. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. I'm Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. We've got Benjamin J. Solzer right there. He's a preacher who's a teacher of sanity. Ben, why don't you introduce the third man, the man who's going to start us out today by telling us what's on his sanity shelf right now. All right. It's Jacob Menzel, the pastor who's a master of sanity. Yes, he is. <laughs> I said, you've heard of uh, Elf on a Shelf. You've got There's nothing. We got sanity on a shelf. Well, I'm the one on Ben's shelf, apparently. Oh, that's is, what he said. What is Ben Jake on your shelf? No, you said to introduce the next person. Oh, I thought that's what you told me to do, right? Okay. Jake does play. Maybe I just m- misheard everything. I I thought you asked Ben to uh, what was on his shelf, and no, no, yeah. Ben yeah. and his wife do through the Christmas <laughs> season play Jake on the shelf, and Jake has to come over, get on the shelf, wait for Megan to notice. Which usually, usually, to be fair, it takes about three seconds. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's fairly configured guy. But how does... Megan, what's different in this room? Oh, well, I don't... Ah! <laughs> now, how does Ben get Jake to do that? Well, Ben read a book on negotiation. <laughs> That's <laughs> you, right. You can read, listen to that episode last ben, week. Ben, I don't want to go on your shelf. Oh, yeah. I, I don't So I'm sorry, you don't want to go on my shelf? That's right. <laughs> and then we just keep going. And eventually Jake is like, of course I want to be on your shelf. Here's $50. Thanks for letting me on your shelf. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty it's, cool. It's mirroring. Yeah. <laughs> it works I, every time. It, Jake feels happy about things. It's another week, a week later, though, he's like, wait a minute. What did I do? Where's that $50? But it's too late you're, after you're that. You're like, Jake, so. I've got a problem, and it's how to get you on my shelf. And then it's, it becomes Jake's problem, and he tries to figure <laughs> it out. I'm, I'm to, a problem solving He, he guy, feels like so. he has yeah. all the potency. Yeah, and, all the agency. Yeah. yeah yep, know. yep. Like, oh, yeah. How would it? Will you get me on your shelf? Jake's like, Ben, I, I don't want to be on your shelf. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm, we're not going to talk about this. And I'm like, Jake, how can, I, how can I do that? And I don't, how can I not talk about this with you and have you on my shelf? And Jake's like, huh. Yeah, I have to think about about that problem. <laughs> it works. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, yep. it's pretty cool. That, that would be my exact response if you asked me that question. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yep. Jake's 
pretty pliable. But... Yep. <laughs> well known for being susceptible to all kinds of manipulations, and negotiations. Oh, man. Ah, negotiation humor. It's a staple of this show. As um, of as last of, week. Yeah, last week. Last week. <laughs> okay, folks. Well, sanity shelves, as you know. It's the part of the show or the segment on the show where we talk about the things we've been reading lately. And Jake, you've been reading a book that you're about to talk about now on yeah, our segment called have, Sanity Shots. I have, yeah. I'm going to talk about a book that I've been reading. It's called Breath by James Nestor, The New Science of a Lost Art, mm-hmm. I think, is the subtitle. And I don't know. Should I talk about why I'm reading this book in the first place? Yeah. I think people are going to be know. curious. Yeah. Okay. So... Several months back, about April, I went to the dentist for the first time in probably 15 years or something, done like that, maybe 20 years. You're a man in his mid-30s. That's pretty statistically likely that you would be doing that. Yeah. And so I've always had pretty good teeth. I never had braces or anything like that. I had two cavities as a kid, no problems. And so I just never worried about my teeth, brush them, whatever, no big deal. So, but I have, and through most of my mid twenties, I didn't have dental care anyway. I wasn't going to pay out of pocket for that, lazy, whatever it was. Mm. So I went back and I had two cavities, which I felt like over, you know, 15 to 20 years, probably in no, no dentist work, probably pretty good, but they were in a bad spot and at the point of almost needing a root canal. And so I had to have some pretty extensive dental work done. And since then, I've had uh, horrible sinus problems that have developed into like these sinus headache, migraine type things that just happen. So I've just been trying to figure some of that out. I've had to go to an ENT and I don't know, part of my journey of self-discovery and self-solving problems, I have any number of random health problems, but I found this thing or this idea that they're all actually kind of connected. Sinus problems, plus some of the other issues that I I have, or that I, I try to, I have to try to mitigate. Mm-hmm. So, and that's sort of what this book is about. And so I guess you just, I'm 37 years old. I'm tall. I am not overweight. I'm relatively healthy. I'm also borderline pre-diabetic and pre-hypertension. And some of that's just genetic. And yet, because I have uh, digestive issues, I also have to watch what I eat. But that means that I can't eat healthy. Jake has this weird thing where he's like, oh, boy, I guess I have to get four more fried sandwiches from Arby's or I'll feel like total crap and have all kinds of health problems. And that's, yeah, that's some, not an exaggeration. Folks. Yeah, my yeah. doctor literally told me I'm not allowed, allowed to eat green things. You need mm-hmm. processed food. I, and I need, I need processed food. Which, if you're pre-diabetic and pre-hypertension, is like okay, survive now, die later. Mm-hmm. And I even had the same issue when I was in high school. I was blacking out and was diagnosed with neurocardiovascular syncope. And the doctor's prescription for me was Gatorade. And literally, what he said is, "I could put you on some heart meds, or you could eat more potato chips and drink more Gatorade." So from my teens into my early twenties. I managed the fact that I could very easily pass out if I stood up by being sure I had a regular diet of salty, greasy foods and Gatorade. And that's a big contributing and, and processed food. And that's a big contributing factor to the 
you know, I think where I'm at in terms of what my body can handle with green food and where I'm at in terms of my prediabetes and my hypertension, prehypertension. So I'm like 37 years old. And to look at me, you'd think I was, I'd be pretty healthy, but I've got all this other stuff I'm trying to manage and trying to manage it in a way where, you know, I can see my grandkids. One grandfather died of a heart attack in his 70s and the other died of complications of diabetes. And my dad's diabetic. And so it's this combination of factors that I got to work pretty hard to figure out how to be as healthy as I can while managing this stuff. So anyhow, I found this book called Breath by James Nestor, The New Science of a Lost Art. And mostly it's his journey of figuring things out, but it also, it's more scientific than something like, I don't know, like Wim Hof or something like that, if you know who Wim Hof is. Wim Hof is the Iceman. He is... Um, Sorry, just keep... Keep filling in my I'm just going to keep Jake. filling in the gaps, man. Yeah. Wim Hof's this crazy dude who basically... He's a Dutch motivational speaker and extreme athlete noted for his ability to withstand freezing temperatures, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, so he basically... Oh, let me just give this. He has set Guinness World Records for swimming under ice and prolonged full body contact with ice and previously held the record for a barefoot half marathon on ice and in snow. the Arctic Circle. He attributes these feats to the Wim Hof method I have heard of, which has the same initials as Warhorn Media, does, yeah. a combination of frequent cold exposure, breathing techniques, yoga, and meditation. Hoff has been the subject of several medical assessments in a book by investigative journalist Scott Carney. Right. Yeah, so he's been hooked up to all kinds of, I mean, people have tried to debunk him. Right. He can, he can raise his body temperature on command. You know, the stories of the yogis who can sit in the snow naked and melt everything around them. He can, he can do that. And they've, they've done other things. He, they, they say he can, he could control his autonomic nervous system in such a way that he can create immune responses to things. So they injected his, I think some Stanford researchers injected his bloodstream with E. coli and he just killed it with his breathing techniques. And then, to prove that it's not some genetic freak thing, he went and trained 10 other people to do it, and they had a sample in a control group, and the 10 people that he trained to do it could just kill the, the E. coli that were injected into his bloodstream, and the 10 that couldn't all got sick. It had to be treated. Like, he can do crazy things. A lot of it just by, according to him, controlling his breath. Now, a lot of the stuff he does is extreme, and this book talks about how extreme and dangerous some of his breathing techniques actually are. And some people can do it to great results. Some people can do it or try to do it and develop really horrible problems. And, you know, you can die huh. if you don't know what you're doing. Like the stuff is really dangerous to play around with. So, um, but anyhow, this book begins, it's got some evolutionary stuff in it. That's pretty garbage. And it's got, you know, it's willing to explore some of the like Buddhist stuff out there too. But mostly what he tries to do is through recent research at Stanford, he subjected himself to, and I think this is how the book opens, if I remember rightly. I've been reading it over a month. Basically, since I got sent to the ENT, Ear, Nose, and Throat Doctor, that's when I started reading this book. So basically, the case is this civilization and industrialization 
has led to us forgetting the art of breathing and our mouths shrinking and our sinus cavities shrinking. As we become mouth breathers and as we become, as we, we have to chew less or chew softer things. There are basically two, two aspects to this. And so your mouths shrink, and that's why we have dental problems where generations and generations, if you go back and look at skulls and teeth, people have perfect teeth until about the last 150 years. Hmm. Hmm. And they have wider mouths and stronger jaws. And so why is that? And so he tries to build a case that it's a combination of mouth breathing that causes our chins to suck in as we sort of gasp for air and our sinus cavities to constrict and not strengthening our jaws because we're eating processed foods and not simply chewing as much. Mm-hmm. Why does being industrialized make us mouth breathe more? That's a good question and I forget what his answer is, but I think it's all connected to, I don't know. Like if I was out on the farm, I would be breathing through my nose kind of thing. I mean, is it, is it, is that somewhere in the realm of? I, I think, I think it's more like, so well, one of the things that I do remember uh, him saying at a certain point, like if you go, there are still places around uh, the world and usually in, in indigenous places where they teach even their babies to breathe through their noses. Hmm. Well, they'll tape a kid's mouth shut when they sleep and things like that and just train breathing through the noses. And that's a big, and they all have healthy teeth and no asthma and no allergies. Interesting. And, and then he also talks about this, like this doctor, and this is like, I went and I did my own reading on it. A guy named Staw, Stow, Staw, S-T-O-U-G-H. He was a choir director in North Carolina and he, like a church choir director or something like that. And his church choir has won uh, state and national championships. And suddenly these sort of like opera singers and horn performers would go to him. And he would teach them, reteach them how to breathe, breathe using their diaphragms and through their noses and all kinds of stuff like that. And they'd all improve to the point that the Met Opera in New York hired him. Mm-hmm. To just train their singers and their singers began to increase their registry hmm. and then athletes started going to him and he helped coach the like first it uh, uh, was Yale and then Yale track and field team won every national event and then the Olympic team hired him and then they won all their Olympic events and set world records and then an emphysema ward hmm called him in and he got these people who were just on their deathbeds like to be able to walk and move and breathe and go upstairs and some of them discharged emphysema is not curable what he taught them to do was use their was re-strengthen their diaphragm muscles in such a way that they were able to access more of the undamaged parts of their lungs And so he has a bunch of stuff like that where he's sort of like pulling from these different places. And that guy didn't really write down any of his techniques or anything like that. And so he's pulling from these different places and he's trying to just kind of pull things together. And then there's this whole 
bit of research on jaw uh, that Stanford has been doing on jaws and jaw development. And so like, he did a, a study that with Stanford where they plugged his nose for two weeks and he only breathed through his mouth and his heart rate went up, his resting heart rate went up, his blood pressure went up. He developed sleep apnea. Hmm. He had all kinds of problems, everything constricted. He lost energy. It was horrible. And then he had some time off and then they did the opposite where he was only allowed to breathe through his nose and they taped his mouth up at night for two weeks. And within the space of that two weeks, his blood pressure was as low as it, as it had ever been. Everything went back, not just to baseline, but healthier. Hmm. And Stanford's been doing research on this stuff for a while. And so I don't know. Some of it feels like he's willing to go weird places, but mostly, and he's certainly willing to look at anecdotal Mm -hmm. stuff. But he also has sort of the perspective of um, this anecdotal stuff. There's there's been a whole lot of smoke in some of these places for a really long time. Mm. And there's reasons, there have to be reasons for that. And there have to be reasons why it's not investigated or regarded. So he kind of wades into some of that. But he's also more careful and cautious about, some of this stuff's really dangerous. I've tried a lot of it and... I don't know. You personally are trying, you say, or he's No, tried. this is him okay. talking. So he went down the, and I can't remember all the terms for the different types of breathing. But anyhow, I have been listening to it because I've been thinking, because it, it was presented as ostensibly, you know, sinus problems. And also your metabolism is regulated through your breathing. That's just scientific fa- fact. If you're going to lose weight, you're going to breathe out most of the fat that you lose. So metabolism is connected to your breathing. Your heart rate is obviously, and your heart health is obviously connected to your breathing. Your sleeping is connected to your breathing, sleep apnea, and then just sinus issues. So all those things together made this book super interesting to me. Mm. And so it was really just about, it started with me and since I had the dental work, I've been having sinus problems that, you know, I, I can't, I, I want to fix this. I'm tired of waking up and having a whole day ruined because I have these like clogged sinus, like my left nostril, the dental work is on the left side. My left nostril, I spent most of the summer just completely clogged up, couldn't mm-hmm. breathe through it. Mm. So yeah, whatever I can do to sort of read here and there and see if there are simple things that I can do to help make things easier. Hey, if I work more intentionally about breathing regularly through, I don't think I have a mouth breathing problem, but also if I'm more intentional about breathing through my nose, if there's a chance that that's going to help, well, that's a simple, non-invasive mm-hmm. way that I can potentially lower my blood pressure and solve my headache problem. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If I can do that, I'm going to read that. I'm going sure. to see what I can figure out there. Yeah. Well, just so anecdotally for me, I was born, well, soon after I was born, I developed severe asthma and allergic reactions and was hospitalized several times as, as a little kid, like two years, three years, four years old, almost died mm-hmm. at two years. And I've always had trouble breathing through my nose. It's often been clogged. So I, I have a habit of breathing through my mouth. Sometimes I'll try to breathe through my nose and it's like, man, I cannot get enough oxygen. Just not even fully clogged, just slightly clogged. But I also had to have braces for several years when I was when I was a preteen. Yeah. So I'm just putting this, what you're saying together in my mind. Like, yeah, it fits. Yeah. Nestor and, and certain d- dentists and orthodontists who ascribe to 
this way of thinking, which is pretty revolutionary. Hmm. They say that we can solve even our own kids, our own kids. This isn't like some kind of irreversible, it's going to take years for our genetic. No, kids right now, Mm -hmm. if you teach them to breathe through their nose, their facial structures will adapt. They will breathe better. There will be more space in their mouths and they will have fewer dental issues. Mm. The mouth, if it has enough space, your teeth will grow in straight. Mm. The only reason your teeth don't grow in straight is because there's not enough space in your mouth. And so then they say a large part of that comes down to how the kids breathe and how much hard things they chew from as, or even how long they breastfeed. So I don't know. It's, his claims, it's his book, Do Your Own Research, but it's interesting, and mm-hmm. I don't see any harm in any of the basic things that he sort of lays out. The kid should be eating apples and things that are th- meat, things that mm-hmm. make them chew, mm-hmm. or even, you know. Yes, he said he talks about some orthodontists that prescribe sugarless gum for kids mm. to help their mouths develop properly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Cool. That sounds interesting. I'm always really scared with stuff like that, that I'm going to be weird or I will become weird or wonky or oppressed or oppressive or whatever. How do you, how do you guard against that as you, as you read something like that? Cause you are a guy who likes to follow those kinds of funny trails. I I also also don't, I also don't think of you as someone who's oppressive and terrible about it either to yourself or to other people. So, so what's your people got to be ready for it, man. Yeah. You got to be ready for it. You're going to get them woke to the... Ready for the breath revolution, the breath evolution. That's not a good portmanteau. Yeah, I I think, yeah, it's super easy. And you see this all the time in churches. The places where you see it the most are things like breastfeed only or... Places where you see it the most are with moms. It's with moms. Yeah, it's breastfeed only. It's your kid's nutrition. It's, you know... No plastic toys. It's it's stuff like that. No TV, no sugars. No, no TV, no sugar. All, all that sort of thing. And so I think some of it is just like step back, realize we've all got it pretty good. Just because we have a potentially, based on one little book I'm reading, a, a problem introduced by civilization doesn't mean that we give up all of civilization. Mm-hmm. It just means no. that we adapt and adjust, right? Yep. We make tweaks. We learn from our mistakes, if they are mistakes. But you have to hold all these things pretty loosely. I'm reading a book by a man who wants to make a name for himself and make money. Mm-hmm. And maybe he wants to help people. But he would, you know, it, it but benefits he him to ascribe as many problems and solutions as possible to the technique that he teaches. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't actually espouse a technique. His only to thing buy his book, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. really just about buying his book, mm-hmm. if anything. Yeah. So there's just a whole lot of, I think, holding things loosely and keeping what's important important. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think it's probably worth looking into, but there are so many more important things that I just, this is the first time, second time I've talked to anybody about this book. Right. And... The first time was with my sister-in-law, who's a dentist, right. hmm. because I thought she'd be interested. Right. So, and she's going to, and I know that she's going to have better wherewithal mm-hmm. than me about, well, that's kind of quackery, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. 
And you guys are part of the same tinfoil hat club. You get well, together. there's that too, yeah. You talk mm-hmm. about Bigfoot and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, so you've got to create your little exclusive tinfoil hat clubs mm-hmm. where it's... Well, it's called you, Church of the King, actually. Yeah, you create safe spaces right. where yep. you just talk about your yep. conspiracy theories and hack ideas. And you you persuade people to be part of them using the techniques we were talking about last week. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I mean, right. it's for people's own good. Right. And you do it through great public speaking, <laughs> which we'll talk about next week. Uh, but folks, Jake does not own a tinfoil hat. It would be very easy for him to make one because he probably has tinfoil. I'm just going to take a wild guess that you have tinfoil at your house. Probably. But listen. I don't know what we use it for, though. But I'm sure we have it. Mm-hmm. Seems like the kind of thing yeah. that the well-stocked yeah. household generally just needs to have. That, yeah. we, we, use, we use felt hats. Mm-hmm. Tinfoil is old school. So Felt hats. For, felt hat. Right. Club. You, you've already, already They're got fezzes, them. actually. Fezzes. You've, already, you've already got them for all your LARPing <laughs> needs. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I I think that yes, just holding those things loosely is is the is a good thing to do, and then knowing when to talk about them and not because there's all kinds of things that you do for yourself that you don't have to be a virulent evangelist for to other people. You know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, yeah, that's, that's that's where I've seen things go wrong in a lot of churches. You know, somebody will have yep. the right breastfeeding technique, and it's like that's everybody fine. should have homebirths, right? Yeah. Now everybody must. And if you do it the other way, you're wrong. And the hospitals are a conspiracy to... It's like, you know what? Everybody gets to make a choice. It's a free country. And we have freedom in Christ for things like that. Yeah. So there's your... You want to know his... This is really all it comes down to. Through your nose, with your diaphragm, exhale fully, go slow, and breathe less. And chew. That's it. That's the lost art and science of breathing. He has a little section on some of the crazy different breathing method stuff that people do, the yogic stuff and box breathing, alternate nostril breathing and stuff like that, the Wim Hof stuff that and the hmm. stuff that can lead to hallucinations that's really scary. Because what you're actually doing is tricking your body into thinking you're dying. Hmm. As he describes it. That's pretty scary. Yeah. That's creepy. Hmm. And you get your body then to release its own. It, what you actually get your body to do is release release the DHT that it can't access, that you don't have bioavailable as your body freaks out trying to keep you alive while you're trying to kill yourself with your breathing or take yourself consciously up to the edge of death. It releases all these chemicals and things like that and then you basically get the equivalent of an acid drip that's really scary yeah that sounds that's really scary that does sound yeah i mean it sounds related to the way yogis wanted to access the spiritual plane right yes it's 100 percent. i mean it's 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 about contacting demons and stuff that's right so there's a whole world of this stuff that you that's scary that you want to stay away from i, I remember hearing once through a friend that they knew they knew they knew a guy who was a martial arts master who could do some of the things you talked about and like he could you know turn over his his arm and palm side up and he could push his fingers up towards his wrist and all the blood would flush up into his finger but it was like a very here i can just make my blood move where i want it kind of thing and i remember that friend's comment at the time was you know what i think that stuff is stuff maybe we're not meant to have access to since the fall mm-hmm. maybe like we shouldn't be trying to have specific access to all of these really weird things we could do. 
and I don't, I, I don't think. Anyway, that's that's just a. It was just an interesting thought. Wow. Some of this stuff is maybe not for us, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not saying I know how to draw that line. This. Well, I in, just, in yeah. the breathing plus section, he talks about going to one of these places where they do this stuff, and he said he's sitting there breathing, doing the same techniques as other people, and he's watching though, and he's not having his dark night of the soul moment. But he sees this dude get up and run around on all fours barking like a dog and this other woman having this schizophrenic relationship with her mother thing where it's basically just repeating, hold me, mommy, I hate you, mommy. Yeah. While curled up in a ball or something like that. It's just like people on acid trips. Yeah. Yeah. It's wacko. Yeah. Well, trying to access the spiritual through the physical that way is going to lead to wacko stuff and evil stuff. Yeah, I just watched a bunch of footage for, as I was researching our Close Encounters of the Third Kind episode, a classic episode of Sanity at the Movies that you can listen to. But I was just interested in all the 70s spiritualist stuff that was going on at the time Mm. and wanted a broader context for the new age garbage of Steven Spielberg's stupid, depraved movie. And <laughs> yeah, they there were these big conferences in San Francisco. You can watch old videos of, and you, you just everywhere the camera turns, there's somebody having an, a freak out experience like that, mm, yeah. or some boring hippie lecturing you about why you should be having a freak out experience like that. So you can access higher knowledge and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It keeps coming back. Yep. <laughs> It's only going to make more of a resurgence as, I mean, the more pagan we become, yeah, the more pagan we'll be. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the more nakedly the people like Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, push us towards pure materialism, exactly. the more we're going to want spiritual answers some, some and spiritual some kicks. sense of, yeah, some sense of we're more than just bodies that need to be kept alive. Yeah. I mean, I know low, w- Wicca and all that stuff is low-key, pretty big in culture, but I think you're right. I think we're looking at probably the the, 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 the next big resurgence since the 70s here in the next... That's right. Yeah. 10 years, whatever. What, what's going to go mainstream? It's What's already going mainstream are acid trips and all the sort of like, you know, any way that you can, whether it's magic mushrooms, psilocybin any kind of DHT stuff and trying to do it clean through breathing techniques. Well, and we basically legalized marijuana and all but name now. So what's the next sort of threshold for popular acceptance? I think that's one of them. Yeah. Yep. Got to remember we're, we're, this is spiritual warfare, but it'll just be a little more naked, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yep. Don't do acid people. (laughs) That's the takeaway from today's episode. Yep. No, I, I think there's going to be a lot of Christians, especially the kinds of Christians that listen to our show. If they're not already listening to too much Alec Jones and stuff like that and starting to wonder about these kinds of things. Yeah. Alex Jones is 100% opposed to it. So. Okay, well, yeah, I don't, I don't but, never listen to Alex Jones in my life. but He thinks it's completely scary and demonic. So he, he's actually hmm. a voice of reason on, on this subject. That's where weird. a lot of people that are his friends and followers are all about it. That's when weird. I hear somebody like Joe Alex, Rogan is somebody who's right. all about who's it. All yeah, about that's it. what I'm thinking. When I hear someone like Alex Jones say demonic, though, 
I know there's a part of my heart that's like, oh, interesting. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are other people like me out there. There's also lots of wonderful people who are like, no, never. And that's a good place to be. But I'm just saying there's going to be more and more people who are interested, intrigued, tempted, even by the dark side of this, even by the explicitly dark side of this stuff. So I, I heard an Alex Jones rant, just one of those random clip things where he's basically said that since the 60s or 70s, high level people at the, you know, in the deep state mm-hmm. have been convinced they've been in contact with interdimensional beings through their acid trips and things like that. I think that. you played that clip for us. Once yeah, we watched that clip. Yeah. With you. Yeah. And it's all driven by this sort of demonic, that's Alex Jones for you. I mean, people always want to pull back the veil, Christians included, any way they can. They want to, they want access to knowledge, more direct knowledge about angels and demons and what the Bible tells us. Yep. They want it. I, and it's an understandable feeling. And if, if the idea that, that you're, that your enemies, you know, so to speak, the non-Christians are going to get that access, but you're not, well. I mean, we, what, what and if, the more, the more people who claim to be Christians who also claim that they have benevolent experiences. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is something that I've seen. Yeah. Really? Yes. That's as that increases, people are going to be that much more inclined to open themselves up to the demonic. They'll quote verses like about, about meat sacrifice to idols, about everything that God has given us being good. And they'll say, you really think God would have put a plant in nature? That allows us access to a higher spiritual plane and not have us use it for like, good. Oh, God was surprised by this? No, he He did it for our, our, our because he loves us. And people have just been dumb about it for a few thousand years. Yep. Yeah. That's that's an argument that's going mainstream and will be more and more mainstream. Yeah. Okay. So Allah Colossians 2, 8 and following talks about philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition, the elemental spirits of the world. I don't know if the translation of that is really element elementary principles or elemental spirits, but it is it is the idea he is he does go on to talk about spiritual powers. Mm. In Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Rule and authority is is a term for spiritual powers, not just earthly, not just earthly political right, right, powers. Right. But that can be, I mean, the working out of that in Colossians is not very spectacular. Right. <laughs> All of these crazy heavenly realities are amount to love each other and, and get wisdom. Yep. <laughs> and it's easy to be discontent with that. I mean, I feel that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, well, there you go. You didn't expect our breathing episode to... And on maybe you did. Don't yeah. Maybe you did. <laughs> if we talk long enough, then eventually we'll <laughs> yeah <laughs> get to this kind of thing, I suppose. Well, and it's so connected to any anybody who has done any research on breathing techniques mm-hmm. has to reckon with the Eastern mystics, right? Mm-hmm. You have to reckon with them because they really can do that crap. They really can heat up their bodies. They really can do weird things. Through their their breathing techniques. And then there's all the spirituality that goes along with it. Yep. When Mm -hmm. we start a Christian school, and for some reason, I am put in charge of teaching some kind of worldview class. One of the principles that I want my little students to understand, one of the primary things that I think we should understand is, I, I think you should always give the bad guys their miracles. I don't think you should ever... Mm-hmm. Say, oh well, Muhammad was just a fraud. He know he didn't see anything. Yeah, I think that that's 
so reductive. Simon the Magician. Right. He was just a fraud. Oh, the Egyptian magicians in the hand. Moses story. They Only didn't, sleight they of didn't, hand. They didn't actually make snakes. Oh, the witch didn't actually bring back... Samuel. Samuel. Yep. yep. Which a lot of otherwise godly theologians will try and argue, but I, I don't think that... Nah. I think you, you just... There are powers and principalities, and you have to understand that, and it has to... We can't be so materialistic as to... And it just makes more sense of people like Muhammad to give him his miracles. I mean, you don't have to think it happened exactly. Just believe every apocryphal story about everybody. That's obviously not what I'm saying. I'm saying your basic guiding principles should not be, there's no way anybody ever did anything special outside of Jesus's miracles. If the founder of the world's second largest religion, which is in itself a Christian heresy, mm -hmm and has been the religion, the world religion, most set most in violent opposition to Christianity outside of our secular mm -hmm. religion, says it was given to him by angelic be beings. Maybe there's something to that. If this demonically bloodthirsty religion came from actual demons. From somebody who basically <laughs> said it came from demons. Yeah, there's no way this demonically <laughs> yep. horrible thing could have come from demons. <laughs> Not really. It was all just an a accident right. and a coincidence. Yeah. Actually, I don't need, we don't need demons, man, because like men are depraved enough. Like we don't need. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah. you haven't been reading your Bible very much, have you, if you want to say that? <sighs> yep. All right, this was a fun episode. Yay, breathing. Breathing. I know what I'm doing. If my kid ever, if Theo ever breathes through her mouth, she is getting spanked. That's, that's, that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. And I yep. encourage all you parents, start today. <laughs> am I joking or am I not? That's for you to decide. And what, I'll tell you another decision before you. You can decide whether to go to Patreon. Of course I'm joking. I hope there's not somebody... I just, I feel like I have to say it because there might be somebody out there. Bozo the Clown might be listening right now. It's just barely possible. There's a 1% possibility that Bozo the Clown is like, well, actually, yeah, I better call CPS on Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> or I better start spanking my one-year-old daughter. Right. Because she's breathing through her mouth sometimes. Actually, kids can't even breathe through their mouths until they're a certain age. I'm pretty sure I learned that recently. All right. So I'll tell you the other decision you have, folks. I was just about to say it. And this, Bozo, this goes for you too. You can go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity and you can support this podcast. Whether you are, who's a really wise person, who's like the opposite of Bozo the Clown, Jake Menzel. Whether you're, well, Jake Menzel's not going to support patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. He's supported by it. Who's the, another wise person that we know, Ben? Like in pop culture. In pop culture, Scott Adams? I mean, uh, no, not a real person. Like a <laughs> Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> Gandalf. Whether you're Gandalf the yeah. Grey or Bozo the Clown or somewhere in between on that spectrum, you can go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You can support this podcast, get all kinds of cool behind the magical wall of bonus content stuff. And. Until next time, stay sane.